We have wonderful praise and worship in this church. Amen. But I want you, years ago, I, before I was a pastor at the church up in Ozark, I was, knew I was going to be preaching on Sunday night. And I had a message prepared. And the pastor during the preliminaries and everything, he said two words. He said, there's more. There's more. I changed my whole sermon to there's more. I'm not going to do that today. However, I want you to realize that there's even more to our praise and worship. There's more. God wants to manifest Himself more and more and more in our services. And one of the main keys is our worship unto God. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning is our praise and worship. Amen. And sometimes people have the wrong impression of what praise and worship is. Uh, my wife and I, we have season passes to stained glass theater. Love stained glass theater. And you go in, you've paid your ticket, you get in your seat, you have a stage, you have the actors, and they perform. And then, well, I, there's, I've never been to a bad play, stained glass theater. Some of them I like more and more, more than others. But sometimes people come to church and they think, okay, here I am, I'm in my seat, here's the platform, and the praise team is performing. No. You see, when I go to Stained Glass Theater, they are performing for the audience. Amen. But when you come to church and you pray during praise and worship, they're not performing for us. We're entering in with them and we're praising and worshiping God and He is the one that looks at our, the quality of our praise and worship. Amen. I mean, if, if it was based on just physical things, I'd be in trouble because I don't have the greatest singing voice in the world. But no, God looks on the heart. And He judges on our heart attitude. And as Christians, don't ever come to church and... Judge the praise and worship team. Amen. Amen. Because you're not the judge. They're not performing for you. They're performing for Him. And they're up here. We're out there. But we're all one together offering our praise and worship to Him. I've been a pastor 16 years or so. I've had a lot of complaints about our worship service. You know, well, it's too long. It's too short. Too loud. You know, they're judging. I got news for you, folks. You ain't the judge. You see, you're not the judge. God is the judge. He's looking. And so, 
In uh, John's Gospel, chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 20. This is about the woman at the well. and Jesus has uh, talked to her about, you know, told her, he says, go get your husband. She says, well, I don't have a husband. She said, well, he says, I know you've had four. The one you're with isn't your husband. And so when she's confronted with her sin, so she does the only intelligent thing. She changes the subject. <laughs> but you see, in verse 20, this is the lady talking and she says, for our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now look at verse Verses 23 and 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Two verses, worship is mentioned five times. And it says here, Jesus says, the Father is seeking true worshipers. Now God is God. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's everywhere present. And he's not looking for people that, you know, why does God want us to worship him is the question. Is it because he's almighty God and he wants us to bow down to him in reverence, no, no, no. God is a loving God. He's a caring God. He's a giving God. And what he's seeking true worshipers so that he can pour out his blessings upon us. Amen? And you see, we read these scriptures. I want to, Brother Kenneth Hagin used to say this. He, he would say, um, sometimes to understand what the Bible says you have to first of all understand what it does not say. Yeah. Now let me tell you what those verses of scripture do, does not say. What they don't say. It does not say God is wor- looking for worshipers. It doesn't say that. It says he's looking for true worshipers. Now, to me, that tells me that if, if he's looking for true worshipers, there must be such a thing as false worshipers. False worship. And what is false worship? I'm glad you asked. That's the best question you've asked this morning. Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9 says, Hypocrites, Jesus never read the book, how to win friends and influence people. (laughs) He only read half of it, how to influence people. (laughs) But he says, hypocrites, 
Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain, vain means empty. It means there's nothing, no spiritual force behind it. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, we could come to church, got the words right up there when we're worshiping God. We can sing along. But that's not praise, that's not worship. Praise, David Ingalls said this. Praise and he said, praise and worship flow from the spirit of man, is governed by the soul of man, and incorporates the whole of man. You see, we, we can come to church and sing along. God's not impressed. Says it's, he says it's in vain. Jesus said it's in vain. It's empty worship. It accounts for nothing. But we're not like that, are we? We're spiritual worshipers. And because we're spiritual worshipers, God wants to bless us. And our, our, worship, when our worship is an act of faith. Amen. It's an act of faith. You know, you may come, come into this church and you, you've had a week or you thought you've been run over by a, a dump truck. Then the dump truck backed up and dumped the whole load of gravel on you. And you may not want to come to church. You may not want to worship God. Worship God anyway. Because that's what's going to get you out from all, under all the pressure that you're under. It's worship. Worship is beautiful. And God is seeking to bless people. And the way, you know, James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Our praise and worship, we're drawing near to God so that he can bless us because he is a wonderful heavenly father. When I was doing this, I have, a, I have a bunch of notes, about six pages of notes. That includes the scriptures I'm reading. But I've been thinking, how am I going to put this together? And so I've just got a bunch of notes here and there and I'm just Holy Ghost edit. What is true worship? Well, first of all, well, yeah, we'll do this. I'm going Rick Renner on you here for a minute, okay? What is worship? The Greek word is proskuneo, P-R-S-K-U-N-E-O, and it means to fall to the ground and prostrate oneself before a spiritual, before a spirit superior to worship or to collapse on one's face or knees or face to worship. Or worshipers who extend one's arms toward God in absolute one, love, or can be translated, one who uses all available methods to adore and worship God. Now I want to center in on this one thing. It's one who extends one's arms 
toward God in absolute love. You know, you parents, when you have little toddlers, little kids, doesn't it just bless your heart? You come home, maybe you've been at work or out doing things, and your little child just runs up to you with their arms extended like this in love, absolute love, absolute trust, absolute confidence that you are there and you're going to take care of them. And as Christians, that should be our attitude. We are going, worship, we're going into the presence of God the Father. Our arms are lifted up because we love Him. And as a, as a natural parent, what do you do when your child does that? You reach down, scoop them up in your arms, and you tell them how much you love them. Amen? Amen? Now, you parents with young kids, if they ever, when they do that, don't ever brush them aside. Right then, that's the most important thing in your entire life. You see, we can come to God in absolute worship and He will never brush us aside. I mean, we are the apple of His eye. He will lift us up. He will share His love with us. And He will manifest His presence to us. And when God shows up on the scene, when God begins to manifest Himself in our church services, the lost will be saved, the sick will be healed, the oppressed will be set free, and man will have no part of it because it's God showing up and showing out. Amen? And as Christians, we need to be those true worshipers. We need to come to church. We need to be ready to praise God and worship God in spirit and in truth and then watch what God can do. Better yet, watch what God will do. Amen? Amen. You, you come into a church service and it seems dead, nothing's happening. You worship God anyway. You know, if nobody gets blessed but you, that's not on God. It's not on you. We worship God. You see, God, God is the ultimate multitasker. You can have 1,000 people worshiping God. And he sees the group, but he also at the same time sees each and every one of us. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we need. He knows what we desire. And when we praise and worship him, he moves. The Lord showed me something once. He said this to me. He said, Worship that touches the heart of God moves the hand of God. And God is seeking true worshipers so that 
He can bless us. I mean, when your little child comes running up in adoration, don't you pick them up and want to bless them? Show your love, shower your love on them. And it's sad to say, we are not there yet. When I say we, I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the body of Christ in general. There's, there's more to praise and worship than we've experienced yet. And there is more that God wants to do for us and through us. And if we will, if we will all come to church expecting God to move. We make a commitment in our heart. Father, you know my life. You, you, you know what I'm going through. But I choose, I choose as an act of faith to praise and worship you in spirit and in truth. And guess what? He moves. He moves in our midst. I'm looking for the day when the presence of God is so real we cannot stand in His presence to worship because of His presence. That'll be the greatest day on earth. Amen? That'll, that'll be the day that we'll talk about for all eternity. Hey, we'll go out of here and we'll say, hey, go to the Walmart, talk to the cashier, go to the gas station, talk to the attendant. Hey, you need to come to our church because God shows up every time we show up. And that's what God wants us. That's what God wants. He wants us to praise and worship Him, He wants to show out. In the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 11 and through 14, this is Solomon, and they're dedicating the temple of Solomon. And it says here, verse 11, And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jedithan, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them... 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one. As one. That means there wasn't any sing-alongs. They were as one. They were in one accord saying the same thing. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house of the Lord, 
was filled with the cloud, with a cloud, that's the glory of God, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. As they were in one accord, making one sound, the Holy Spirit came out of the Holy of Holies and manifested himself in such heaviness that they could not stand up to minister. Well, when that happens, we don't need people to minister. God's doing the ministering. And you know, he can do more in five minutes than we could do in 50 hours. You know, it's one thing to, to come up here and, and talk about God and the things of God, but it's something entirely different when God shows up and manifests himself. We're, I'm teaching the Word of God. I'm endeavoring to get all of us into one accord so that we can all come together in praise and worship so that God will manifest Himself. But praise God, one of these days He's going to manifest Himself. Amen. And I'll tell you something right now. I've seen it. The glory cloud's going to start back over there and it's just going to come right up to the front and it's going to overtake us. And when that happens, what you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit there basking in the presence of God and we're going to allow Him to minister to us. And as we do that, we will be blessed. Because we have been a blessing to God. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. In the uh, King James Version, it says, enthroned is inhabitus. It means to sit down, to remain, or to stay, to dwell, or have one's abode. As we worship the Lord, he inhabits, he's enthroned in the praises of his people. Folks, as we continue every time we get together to worship God in spirit and in truth, we are going from glory to glory to glory. And I mean, we will have so much glory in this church that when the trumpet sounds and we get to heaven it'll be about that much different than we had down here. Some people, some people are genuinely born again and well one denomination doesn't even believe in musical instruments. They end for a big surprise. You know, and, and you think, they think, well, you've got to be holy in church. You come in holy. 
Folks, sometimes in praise and worship, people get up and run and dance and shout. Boy, are those people in for a surprise. And I've got news for them. There isn't any other heaven. You know, it's heaven. There's no junior heaven. It's heaven. And as Christians, we need to be expecting more of the glory of God in our services. Amen? Praise God. But notice this. It, it says here in Second Chronicles that as they were in one accord ministering to the Lord, the glory of God came out of the holy place. It came out of the holy of holies. And he manifested himself among the people. Where's the holy of holies today? Right here. See, Second or First Corinthians six nineteen says, "Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? We are the temple of God. Solomon's temple was magnificent, but God likes this one better. And you see, as Christians." We want to see the glory come out of the Holy of Holies. How's the glory going to get out? It's going to come out like this. Amen. Right out our mouth. Amen. Right out our mouths. When we enter into true praise and worship, we're releasing the glory of God into our midst. And praise God. Praise God, praise God, there's more. There's more than we have experienced. And like I said just a minute ago, when we step out of this life into glory, it's not going to be a big jump. You won't have to be Superman to get there. It'll be like this. You see? You understand what I'm saying? Amen. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us, in our spirits. We are the Holy of Holies for the Spirit of God. And for God to manifest Himself, He comes out like this. Amen. He comes right up out of our spirit through our words. I said earlier about David Ingalls, how he... He said this, worship flows from the spirit of man, is governed by the soul of man, and incorporates the whole of man. We can stop God from moving in our lives, in the church, by just, nope, I'm just going to sing along today. I'm too tired. I've had too rough a week. I just don't want to. Well, change your want to. I mean, want to is a decision. 
but God flows out of us and that's what fills this, this temple right here. Amen. Rick Renner says it like this. True worship causes believers to enter into the realm of the spirit and literally become channels or conduits through which the spirit of God enters their atmosphere. You've got to see this, folks. You've got to, you've got to picture it Amen. with your spiritual eyes. Amen. You've got to see the glory cloud filling this place. And it just, boom. Amen? Amen. I tell you, Brother Hagen pastored for several years. He said of all the churches he pastored, he only got one of them into the place where they were truly worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And then he tells some of the things that happened. One thing that happened, there was a lady on the platform and she started dancing in the Holy Spirit. And she just danced right off the platform and was dancing in the air. I don't know about you, I believe that, but when I see it, it'll probably still blow my mind. <laughs> what did she do? She danced in the spirit, then she danced right back on the platform and was finished. That's a miracle, folks. That's a miracle. And like I said earlier, you come into a service and you truly worship God in spirit and in truth, I don't care. You may be sick as a dog, you'll be healed. You may, have, you may be beaten down. You will be lifted up. You will be so spiritually charged. You go looking for the devil. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> so, so you can whomp him. You know. And friends, we got to believe this. But then... We have to do more than believe this. We have to do this. Amen. And many people never end a corporate worship because they've never had any private worship. I don't have time to get into this this morning. But you need to praise and worship God at home. You know. And you see, you come to church full of the glory of God. You come in here, you worship God in spirit and in truth, and pretty soon it'll be getting all over everyone. But some people never really have times of practice private praise and worship. It's vital. It's vital. It's vital. It's vital. I mean, oh my goodness, when God moves, praise God, I've got a minute, I'm going to take it. <laughs> when we enter into true worship, it reminds us of God's holiness, His greatness, his power to intervene 
in our lives and in our circumstances. It cleanses us. It softens our spirits. It purifies our hearts. It makes us aware of His great love for us. It gives us hope. It gives us strength. It gives us the ability to fight on. But it brings forth joy. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Amen. Worship does something for us, does something to us. And as such, as we enter into private worship, the glory of God will enter in to our home, our circumstances, and it will change us. And then we come to church, and if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. As we all begin to praise and worship God in spirit and in truth, it just multiplies the, the presence of God when He shows up. And He, he is showing up. He is showing up. And He's going to show up in great manifestation.